I've been teaching on, um, on miracles, and I want to go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, and I want to read from verse 14 to 20. I'm reading in the New American Standard Bible, and uh, it's uh, famous last words, you know. Uh, somebody gave me a book, Rick Houghton gave me a book, Dying Words of the Saved and the Unsaved. It was a, it's a tremendous book. I was in his office, and I was looking at it, and I coveted it. He just... He had Rick Houghton in the book, and I was looking at it, and he said, Rick Houghton gives this book to Jeff Perry. And uh, it has meant a lot to me, and it, it, it just talked about just the contrast of the famous last words of the unsaved and the last words of the saved, and it's an amazing book. It's, I think, been out of print for years, but you probably can find it on, uh, online. Um, afterward, he appeared to the 11. I'm glad this book is not out of print. This is God's word. Thank you for your word, Lord. Afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. So one of the last things Jesus did with his disciples was tried to purge insecurity and unbelief out of their lives because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. So uh, I, I want to tell you right now, we as God's people need to be trained and taught to believe the word. As we believe the Bible and follow its lead, obey it, do what it says, then we can fully expect to see biblical results. And um, Jesus prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, and they were reclining at a table, and Jesus rebuked the enemy of unbelief and the enemy of hardness of heart. And I just pray that you will be encouraged and strengthened in your walk with the Lord tonight by the power of God. Amen. The cynicism, the skepticism, the overanalysis, the fear, uh, your own personal disappointments will just be dealt with and you'll get into a great place of strength because he is risen. And he said, look, man, and the people that were assigned to preach the resurrection were ladies they told them this, and these guys just didn't believe it. He had to rebuke them for it. And still, yet, he said to them, to the ones he just had to rebuke, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The gospel is good news. Go into all the world and preach good news to all of the created world. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. The signs that followed. These signs shall follow those who believe. That's a powerful thing. And uh, that wasn't just exclusive to Jesus. That wasn't just exclusive to the 11. That continues on because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whom the Lord calls, he equips. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, John baptized with water, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he said in verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses. The world is looking for people that will be a witness, people that will be a light. I'm a product of people who stepped out of the invisible barrier of fear. They overcame their human insecurities. Uh, They overcame the awkwardness, and they communicated the love of God in a very clear and simple way, and it changed my life. So the reason I'm preaching about miracles is because uh, God is the God of miracles. These are signs that are to follow those who believe. And um, Hosea chapter, I think it's four, verse six says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So yet the Bible says in the end times, knowledge will increase. And uh, I, I think we can all admit that Things are different now than they've ever been in terms of increased knowledge. When I was a kid, I had to go to the library and talk to the librarian to try to find index cards and go through and find where a book would be, you know. And uh, now I I found out that with a smartphone, a child has more access to more knowledge than the president of the United States did in the early 80s when I started in the ministry. So that's in the natural world. Well... I believe God is pouring out uh, such knowledge, supernatural insights, always in confirmation with his word, always to bring glory and honor to Jesus. But be sure that of this, that God is, in this end time hour, wanting to increase knowledge uh, in your direction. Knowledge of the kingdom, knowing him personally. I, you know, I think even the praise and worship, for me, one more time, It wasn't just being a singer of songs. It wasn't just uh, going through liturgical rhetoric. It it was an invitation into expressing love toward God. It's personal. It's deep. And this, in fact, intrigued me when I first came to have an encounter with people of this flavor. As I noticed that when they sang these songs, it meant something. I noticed when they were interacting that it meant something. When the preacher preached... It wasn't just uh, old homilies from ancient history. It was like uh, he meant it. He believed it. And how many of you believe? We have a belief system. I believe there's a God. I believe that the sun rises and sets. I believe in these certain physical things based on my five physical senses. Well, I also believe that God is supernatural. And this is the famous last word of Jesus in the book of Mark, you know, Go into all the world, preach the gospel. And he, he was trying to purge their hardness of heart and their unbelief. But he, uh, he is also saying, look, man, there's a real blessing in being a believer. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And it's very believable. It's very plausible. I walked by a lady over here. She had a terrible autoimmune attack on her hands. And her hands are just almost like uh, hand model hands now. God did such a work on her life. I know people who battled terrible cancer and came through it. I know somebody that got a diagnosis at the same time as somebody else. That other person died. This person is still here. So thank God for his deliverance and his amazing, uh, uh, wondrous working power. I know a guy whose brother just got saved and they're on the front row. And that's, after all, the biggest miracle, the miracle of a new birth. It's a miracle that some of us are still here with the disappointments and our own personal struggles, and yet God has brought us through. Can I hear an amen? Amen. He's been so good to us. And I'm advocating something that's from the Bible, and I want to do a good job of preaching it to you. And, And let's just go to the famous last words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. 
Again, verse 16 through 20. This is the last part of the last chapter of the book of Matthew, and it says something similar to what Jesus said in the Great Commission of Mark 15, of 16. It says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. So Jesus is saying these things emphatically, and he must have repeated it, because in the Mark account, they're reclining at a table. And in the Matthew account, they're up on a mountain, and, and, and the 11 are up on a mountain by Galilee that Jesus had told them to go to. We were at, in Israel last year, and, and one of the guides said, we think this might have been the mountain where Jesus downloaded these final words. There are a lot of mountains there, and the, the archaeology and the, and the history, and the, they said it's plausible that this could be the mountain. Uh, but it, nevertheless, whether it's a table or reclining at a table at a meal, or whether it's on a mountaintop, Jesus is emphatic about this. It just shows that in both of these contexts, at a dinner or up on a mountaintop out in the great, in big wide open spaces, he still wants to get this point across. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. There it is again. Yet, nevertheless, Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Who is glad that he's always with us? Hebrews 13, 5 says he's, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You want to hear something interesting? As I'm speaking some of these technical Bible terms, there are children in here. And you better believe these kids are absorbing what I'm preaching right now because they're getting a hold of this for their generation and for their future. But listen, a generation, if you want to know what a generation is, it's just all the people that are alive at the same time. So, you know, I used to say we're a transgenerational church and, you know, and we're, just a, we're just the generation that God has assigned to declare in this hour. We get to be alive in 2021 we get to go and see what happened at the rec at reclining at the table or at the mountaintop. Essentially, Jesus is saying again and again, just by repetition, that's the mother of education. He's repeating himself. He did it at the mountain by Galilee. He did it at the table while they're eating. He's doing it right now through this pastor, getting us to remember and have this reiterated that God has given all authority to Jesus, and then he said, go therefore. What authority did God give us? What authority did God give us? In Jesus' name, he's given us restored authority. Let me explain something to you. Our God is ultimate authority. He is ultimate authority. And God delegated his authority to man. He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowls of the air, to, to tend to the garden, to name the animals and so forth. But tragically and sadly, man forfeited this authority when, they, when uh, they used their free will and yielded to the tempter. The enemy, Satan, usurped this authority, and humanity has suffered and struggled ever since. There's a gigantic painting in uh, the uh, Musée d'Orsay in Paris of, of Cain. Uh, it's the size, it's probably, I don't know, 30 by 20 feet, and it shows this, the, the, the sin and the darkness, consequence of darkness etched into this face 
as he's plowing through life. It's, it's, a, it's a haunting painting. You should uh, look it up. It's just the consequence of the fall of man. Humanity suffered and struggled. And yet one day, in the fullness of the times, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He was on a rescue mission, on assignment from the Father, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. And he did an amazing job. When on the cross, he said, it is finished. We're going to celebrate that coming up at Easter, what happened in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But then, yet, after he had restored that authority by destroying the work of the devil, he then laterals it to the church. He said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go, therefore. Do you see the implication? You, you, you certainly see it for the 11, don't you? Um, and then they prayed in, Mar in, in Acts chapter 4 that he would extend his hand or stretch forth his hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of his son Jesus. And then in Acts chapter 5, it said significant miracles were done through the hands of the apostles. And then over and over and over again through the New Testament, through the laying on of hands, blessing was conferred, uh, authority was transferred, and healing was downloaded. So lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. My next door neighbor hurt his shoulder in a ski accident. And uh, before he knew it or I knew it, I reached over and laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he, he says he's an atheist, but he got healed. He was, he was you know, he got healed. And uh, R.W. Schambach was in town years ago. This is, I'm sharing two stories. And my wife and I went to hear him at the Machinist Hall up in North County. Tremendous man of God. We went to pick somebody up that we had witnessed to on the streets. And he, was a, he worked at a, at a retirement home, but he was a younger man. Uh, and he had an injury, and he could barely walk. I laid hands on him and prayed for him before we left to go to R.W. Schambach's meeting. I didn't think, wait till the great man of God, R.W. Schambach, prays for you, because I had been taught well to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. So instead of kind of having it be specialized over there, let's bring it right now. What's the point of him being uh, all suffering in the car all the way there? He could and so I prayed for him, and then I had remembered a learning from a great, uh, another evangelist, similar to R.W. Schambach, T.L. Osborne. But anyway, the name above every name is Jesus, and all authority is embedded in that name. And the Bible says to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I just caught onto this as a young person, 19, 20 years old. I started to get a hold of this from good teaching. And it wasn't like, you know, some sort of big fanciful thing. It was just this is if you cooperate with God and you want to obey God and you want to get over there and understand the doctrine of the laying on of hands and the value of it and the, the transfer and the, the impartation uh, of God's power, um, you, you, you know, you, you got to do this. You got to do what the Bible says. And if you do what the Bible says on an increased fashion in faith, you're going to get increased results. So I prayed for this man. Patsy's my witness. Uh, I said, now do something you couldn't do before. This is what T.L. Osborne said for people. Do something you couldn't do before. And so he, he couldn't touch his toes. So he went, oh, 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 no. Ah, ah. It seemed like 15 minutes. Ah, ah. 
blah. And I was thinking, oh, man, what did I do? And uh, he, got, he, got, he went, oh, 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 oh. And then he went, and he started going like this. Wasn't that amazing? I, and he danced all around the parking lot. All the old folks were out there, and it was, a, it was a summer day, and they were all out there in their chairs, and they were watching their guy while running around. And uh, we had a great meeting. He was so happy before he went to the meeting. And, um, you know, in fact, you know, tonight, I'm believing God for healing for your body, people that are watching. I'm believing God for you, people that have been battling some stubborn things. Let's just really, let, let's, let's lay hands on ourselves uh, before the night's over. I'm, I'm telling you, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When I got ordained into the ministry, they laid hands on me and prayed over me. It was very meaningful. That's what Moses did with Joshua in Deuteronomy. And authority was imparted into him. And uh, Jesus, when he went into villages, parents, we see so many kids around, would bring their children and ask for them because the Jewish people understood the laying on of hands. And uh, that, that he, would, he would lay hands on them and bless them for blessing. There's a blessing in the laying on of hands. But then there were many, many miracles wrought through the laying on of hands in the Bible. So I want to encourage you and, and, and be advised uh, this is one of the means by which God transfers and manifests his power in these end times. There need to be people who are proficient and understand and recognize this, and you treat it seriously and you understand it, you go into it with faith, you realize, and the outcomes can be absolutely fantastic. And uh, we, we just really need to believe God. There's, a, there's healing power that flows through your hands. Because the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. And as much, I'm telling you, R.W. Schambach was a fascinating, amazing man of God. He had an amazing heritage and history. But I knew that, that, that in a lot of ways he was an equipper where I would learn and, and, and hear that, that these things are part and parcel of the gospel and of the New Testament church. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and... Uh, I, we've read Mark, and now I want to read a part in the middle of Luke. Luke chapter 10, when Jesus appointed the 70. We saw where he appointed the 11, but now prior to that, he, he called out 70 and sent them out in pairs, chapter 10, verse 1, and um, ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. See, he's coming back. And he sent us out to be preparing the second, for the second coming. In a very real sense, we are the end time generation. We have to understand these things. The devil is working overtime to downplay these things, to diminish us, to make us uncomfortable. And in fact, just the last year with masks and social distancing and don't touch, uh, there's never been a time quite like this, definitely in my lifetime. Now, there, there have been pandemics, and so there was the Black Plague, the Bubonic Plague, there was the Spanish Flu of 1916 and so forth. So th these things have happened in the world. Ebola in Africa, terrible, uh, worse than COVID-19. But in addition to the, just the evil of the sickness, the distancing, the cover-up, the, 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 it's, it's already taken, I mean... Humanity has already gotten a bit cold and harsh. 
Um, I'm believing God, however, that the contrast is going to be so great that God's people are going to shine and carry the light in in an effective, non-threatening way, not so obnoxious, but definitely not holding back. You know, I was with my wife yesterday, and I think it was yesterday, in a coffee shop, and um, she had it on her heart to witness to this lady, and, um, but the timing wasn't right. You know, we have these masks, you know, you get to take them off when you drink your coffee. So just drink that thing for like 45 minutes, you know, just. <laughs> but um, so then we went and did some business and we came back and ordered up another coffee uh, just so she could talk to her. And then when she went, I said, did you talk to her? No, I got waited on by the other person. Okay, so then she waited, we waited and prayed and then. She carried that light to that girl, shared the gospel with her, and, you know, you trust God. See, that's what we do. We, we've, been, we've received power so we would be a witness. And um, God wants us to always be on um, and available to the Holy Spirit. So a meeting like this, where we come and we hear or you dial in and you've got 50 million other options of, you know, so many things you could watch on the internet, but just to dial in, just for a moment, and I'm not going to go real long, but just going back to what Jesus said to those 11 reclining at the table, and then also on that mountaintop by Galilee, a designated place. This is a designated place. This is a designated message. God wants to reiterate, go into all the world and communicate good news. Yet we don't want to be obnoxious. We hate to be rejected. We don't want to have it fly up in our face. We don't want to be perceived as, uh, as, as awkward or weird or, or uh, fanatical or like religious flakes. But we also don't want to hold back this life-giving truth. You know, it's the cure for all the evil problems that came as a consequence of the fall of man. Jesus is the answer. And it's important that we relate when we we look in these verses and we see how Jesus appointed the 70 and he appointed the 11, that actually you have an appointment. You have received power. You have a a mandate from God. You have marching orders. And and here's what he said. He was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, verse 2, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Last week, we prayed on Saturday. We went across the street to the mall, and, and I sat outside, and I was studying my notebook. My wife went into the store and got some things for some, the kids, some things for her birthday. And um, it's a famous store that was started by a guy who's still alive. He's iconic. The, the brand is uh, really famous for classic styling, you know, American styling. It's, a, it's like a big, big brand. And it, the place was packed. When we went to the door, the guy stopped us and said, well, you got to wait until people had so much social distancing and numbers and things. So I just went over and sat at the table. I didn't want to go in anyway, so it helped me with my attitude about shopping. So, but my wife went in there, and then my phone died. Actually, Taylor was uh, uh, FaceTiming me with my grandkids, and my phone died. And then she called me eight times to try to get through to me. So I went over to the window, and she goes, you know, we had this amazing talk, and these guys were all standing there, and they went, while we were sorting things out through the window. We could both read lips, so it was, it was intense. But we worked it out. It was fun, yeah. It was friendly. We've, we, we're a lot better than we were. But 
You mature. We've grown up. So we went in there, and because they weren't, they weren't ready, they didn't have trained workers. It was like a bottleneck for, all the, for the, what the whole thing was all set up to do, which was sell product. And at that point, of all that amazing, magnificent design and all the thoughtfulness and the colors and all the advertising you know, and the, the, the brick-and-mortar store and the online presence and all that they do and all that, and then the attraction to get everybody in there, and then it broke down at the transaction point. And this is what Jesus was saying. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Gentleman in the church, prayer warrior, talked to me, and he said, you know, Pastor Jeff, I oversee a particular chain of about 35 uh, retail units. And, it, you know, what the hardest things right now is finding workers. And I said, well, that's exactly what Jesus said. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And this is why I think God's having me preach what I'm preaching. Because God is actually wanting to deploy us in a strategic way in this end time hour. God wants us to heighten our awareness. He wants our faith to arise correspondent to exactly what the word of God is saying to us and not back off. And you know, by the way, it says in the end times, there'll be false signs and wonders. Why do you think there would be false signs and wonders? Because there will be real signs and wonders. If there were just, if it was all off and false and all gone for, why would the devil falsify signs and wonders? He would falsify signs and wonders precisely because God wants to manifest himself through his people in the end times with mighty, these signs shall follow those who believe. Pay particular attention to what I'm preaching because God is about to use you in interesting ways, at interesting times when you least expect it, when you don't feel particularly spiritual, when you didn't realize it was coming. So I just want to give you a prophetic heads up so you'll get ready. Yeah, listen, we, went, we, went, we came to church. We were coming to work. I said to her at 11.20 or something like that, I said, hey, you want to go, to, you want to go for a meal? And she looked at me and was like, okay. We, we never go out at that time. We, we don't go at that time. We, don't, we go later. We, go, we always have a, a lunch art style is later in the afternoon. So she, she thought, well, that's interesting. So then we, I said, you want to go to this place? She said, sure. So as we were driving down the highway, I had kind of a conviction that that's not where we should go. Almost like what you would call a check in your spirit. It wasn't like a big alarming thing, but I was feeling like, no, that's not the best thing for us to do. So I turned to her and I said, what do you think if we go to this place? And she said, yeah, let's do it. So we pulled up to that place. We were the first people there. We sat down and uh, just miracles began to happen. We were just minding our business. I sat over in this particular place. Nobody was in there. We were the first people there. Just getting a little meal. Just, it looked just like that was just disguised as just a, a lunchtime. Just disguised as a simple moment. But yet God had layers of blessing embedded in it. It was supernatural. It was awesome, wasn't it? And it was like such a confirmation that the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And those who are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And by the way, I'm not advocating spooky flakiness and, and creepy stuff. This was actually very spiritually organic, if I could say it that way. It was just... It was a divine flow of God's promptings, and you didn't really know it till you're all the way in it. And then you realize, wow, I'm right in the center of God's perfect will. How many of you would like that? 
with more frequency. Well, we as God's people need to be trained and taught to believe the Bible, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to obey Him, to follow Him. And as we do, we can, as we see the biblical results, we can obtain and get the biblical results. Now let's, let's just continue to read on here in Luke chapter 10. He said, uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. harvest. Let's pray that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would send out laborers into the harvest field. Here am I, Lord. Send me, activate me into new levels of faith to see great miracles, souls saved, greater fruitfulness. You know, in Jesus' name, you know that when they were fishing all night and Jesus had died and before he had ascended, he was risen, but he hadn't ascended and he was cooking, he, he made some hot coals and he was cooking some fish on the, and they, they came in kind of dejected from an all night, frustrating, just fishing, no catching. And Jesus says to him, like go out about a half a football field and throw the net out on the other side of the boat. And they were like, okay. So they put their nets back out there and God had a school of fish right there. And it just, they just, God just set it up. And uh, Jesus, though he was a carpenter, was telling the fishermen uh, who were the experts a thing or two about fishing. And Jesus is saying a thing or two about the church right now. He doesn't want us stuck in cold religious formalism. He doesn't want us in intellectualism. Nor does he want us to downplay the importance of studying and meditating and getting our minds renewed and developing and being educated and learning. But we don't want to let our learning put out our burning. We don't want to let the, the intellectualism extinguish the flames of this original pattern of the New Testament. These signs will accompany those who believe. He said, go and behold, I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves. Then he gives specific directions for the 70. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, Please be, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will boomerang back onto you. Stay in that house eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. And then whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you. And heal those in it who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Did you see that? Heal those in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then it says in verse 13, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, but it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the ju judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, uh, you will not be exalted to heaven, will you? Uh, you will be brought down to Hades. So there's a real, here Jesus doesn't like doubt and unbelief. And then uh, he says, the one who listens to you listens to me. The one who rejects you rejects me. He who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Then it says, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They had gone out 
and had breathtaking results. They went out in the name of Jesus and, and, and people were healed. People got set free from oppression. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In verse 19, if you want to underline a verse, this would be it. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. That, so we wonder, what authority did Jesus give us? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Now, with the 70, he certainly gave it. To the 11 at the reclining table, he gave it. And then at the mountaintop, he reiterated it one way or the other. He, over, he said it again and again. I believe he's saying it again to us tonight. He wants us to understand that he has given us power and authority. It has been restored through Jesus Christ. And now we have delegated authority and a mandate to go into all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do and observe everything that he's commanded. A lot of people will get saved and get water baptized, but they, they, will they obey the doctrine of the laying on of hands? We've got to be, uh, take, if we want to see complete, thorough biblical results, then we've got to obey what Jesus commanded. And he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, he said they'll speak with new tongues, they'll cast out demons. And uh, these things are uh, the fulfillment of what Jesus said when he said, it's good that I go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit, another helper who's going to equip you, who's going to come alongside and help you. Hallelujah. Amen. So Jesus gives us the assurance that he has given us the power and authority to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm us. What an amazing and spectacular verse. I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those represent evil spirits and demonic powers and over all the power of the enemy, over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. The world shakers of today have gone into places like Kiev or Moscow or Chesterfield Valley, and they preach the gospel of Jesus long enough, hard enough, and thorough until they start to see breakthrough. Whole cities are starting to turn around for the gospel. The enemy's reared up to try to hinder it, but I'm telling you, we're not going to be overcome by evil. We're going to overcome evil with good. And just piercing through the fog and getting in a fresh on this subject, let's go back to the book of Matthew chapter 18, and we'll finish with this. Matthew chapter 18. When Jesus gives a responsibility or a charge, he gives authority. It's an amazing thing. Look, look, look here what it says in, in chapter 18, verse 18 of Matthew. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now the context deals with church discipline, correcting a, a brother or somebody that's fallen into sin, and that what you bind on earth is bound in heaven, what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, is attached to that spiritual mandate to take these matters seriously. But additionally, and generally, God has given us authority when we, kind of, we identify with our citizenship being in heaven, that Jesus is raised up and we're raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. When you got saved, your citizenship changed. You who were once not a people are now the people of God. You had no hope. You were outside of the covenant of God. Then he tore down the dividing wall for Jew and Gentile alike. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
and saved and also filled with the Holy Spirit and mandated to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Somebody told me about Jesus, I responded and I got saved. Everybody in this place has had somebody preach the gospel to them. I've met people who were led to the Lord at Billy Graham Crusades, and I think that's amazing. I've heard of people that came here, one lady named Deb, she came to help her mother who was uh, in the last stages of her life, and she was coming to our church, and she, got, she came forward in an altar call with this church. She got saved here in adult life. People right now that are hearing me are going to get saved tonight because faith has come by hearing the word. How will they believe if they've never heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent? Among many things, this church is a sending station. People come here to refuel. We, it, it's, it's like Psalm 23, green pastures and quiet waters, and he restores our soul. We sang in the worship tonight that I have a river of life flowing out of me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, or is it, was it John 7? I got to look it up now. I think, it's, I think it's John 7. Thank you. I looked over at John, and uh, Janice said it's John 7. Yeah, you know what verse I'm going to quote? You know people have been around me a long time when I give one word out of the verse, and they know what the verse is. John chapter 7. How many of you believe? He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. John 7, 38. Rivers of living water. Say, I have a river of life flowing out of me. Now, it's not just to be a, a swamp. It's to have a flow. And it's to be moving water. And of this, he was talking about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So, as we get ready to close, I'm going to tell you to go into all the world with an awareness that God's called us to have a fascinating interaction with the people that, that we run into, that we come in contact with. How many of you realize what I'm preaching clashes with be, stay away from people by six feet? They pick that arbitrary number, you know, it's far enough to stay away from people, wear this mask, put on two or three of them, don't talk, don't look at each other. If you do, and if you see their mask drop, yet rebuke them. You know, get, everybody get, get a little bit meaner, get a little bit more like a self-appointed boss of everybody else. You know, uh, what did our kids say? You're not the boss of me. <laughs> said that to the other kids. Never said that to us. Was it Kingston said it to his brothers and sisters? You're not the boss of me. Yeah, he always, he was two years old or three years old. You're not the boss of me. But Jesus is mandating that as we come to learn and understand God's purposes and God's authority that he's delegated to us, and when we begin to take action on it and trust God that heaven is backing his word, and as we speak in faith and as we believe God, you know, we, we start driving down the highway, we see precarious things, we start taking authority over the enemy and praying protection on people, and we see things on the news, we immediately go into prayer. It just change and trans it changes and transforms our lives out of feeling uh, helpless and hopeless and then being empowered. Let's all stand up on our feet. Let's all stand up on our feet. How many of you are burdened for other people? You care about other people?
you have some empathy, you just want to see more people come to the Lord, I don't want to see people die and go to hell. So let, the only cure for that is calling on Jesus. Now, here's what we're going to do. I want to, I want to finish this service. And uh, if you're home alone and you've been watching this, I want you to lay hands on yourself. First, lay your hands right here on your ribs, on your belly. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son, that he died for my sins, and that I am cleansed by his blood, his mercy, his grace, his goodness was for me. And I accept the free gift of righteousness, eternal life, on the basis of what Jesus did. I also realize, Lord, you have now ordained me to be an ambassador for Christ. These signs are to follow me. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I trust God. I don't have a hard heart or a stiff neck. I yield to the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I trust you to open doors and enable me to see things differently than I have before. Maturing, growing, increasing in the things of God. My joy level is getting higher and higher. My patience is developing. And God, I thank you, you're causing miracles to flow through me. Now I want, you to, I want you to stretch your hands toward one another. Turn around and find one another in the building. Pick somebody out and just start praying blessing, fortification, strength. God, I pray for these young kids that they get on fire for Jesus. I realize it's past their bedtime, but I finished early so they don't get too tired. I pray for these brothers, Lord, that their whole household, their dad, mom, and the whole family will come to the kingdom. God, I pray for the families that are representative in this church. God, I pray for a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, God. Miracles, signs, and wonders. God, I come against cancer cell development. I come against cancer cells in the name of Jesus. And I break the power of the enemy over this house. I come against infertility and I pray people would have the babies they want to have in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for people with glandular issues. God, I pray just lay hands on your gland right there. I pray for healing on these glands. God, I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I come against attack over people's bodies, over their lymph nodes, lymphatic systems. I come against attacks over people's bodies. I come against strokes, aneurysms tumors, heart attacks, all manner of sickness and disease is under the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, I speak blessing, healing, strength, and fortification. God, I thank you. Now, turn around and find somebody. Seriously, find somebody else now. Stretch your hands toward them all the way across the room. Spend some time praying for them. I pray for new open doors. I pray for higher levels of favor. I pray, God, for boldness. I pray for visions and dreams. God, I pray for revelation in the Word of God. I pray, God, for overcoming sin patterns. God, I come against the evil spirits that have been sent to hassle people in this room and online. I break the power of the enemy over people's thinking. In the name of Jesus.